the Far Post podcast. We are back for a very special episode. We absolutely cannot wait to crack into it. It is not our usual Women's World Cup Express post, but we have a very special guest joining us today and we can't wait to talk to her. But before we begin today's chat, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. So for this very special episode, you have me, Marissa Lordanik, Sam Lewis, Anna Harrington, Angela Christian-Wilkes, and two-time World Cup winner, two-time Olympic gold medalist, Brandy Chastain. So, Brandy, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. We are so stoked to have you. Like, no, it's stoked right? <laughs> <laughs> like, to stoke off. We absolutely yeah. cannot wait. Like, oh, let's go. <laughs> I love what, it. Our country's about to play in a World Cup semi-final. We yeah. are very pumped. Yes. <laughs> but we can't wait to talk to you about World Cup, about Bay FC, about this moment for women's sport and women's football. So, really boring question, actually, to start us off. But how have you found the World Cup so far? How has it impressed you? What have you thought of the actual games on the pitch? Well, it has impressed me in many ways. Um, I, I am, I was very hopeful before it kicked off. You know, the thought of 32 teams obviously was a little bit overwhelming. Just hoping that the outcomes of the matches wouldn't be too far, you know, have a, a wide uh, score spread. And they, they haven't. Um, actually, some surprising games did, and I have to say that I was on the side of Zambia. So mm. I wanted them to do well. Mm -hmm. um, I had a little bit of a connection. Uh, eight of those players came to Santa Clara University where my husband's mm -hmm. coached women's soccer when they were like 14 years old. Wow. And they were just, you know, they were seeing what women's football was uh, around the world, and I have a photo of them on the ground with me, and on the 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 bike uh, was Sofia Huerta, mm. and so like just this juxtaposition of these young girls, no idea that they would be in a World Cup, honestly, and now here they were, and so I was hopeful for them, but I think all the games have been exciting. I love the crowds. I think New Zealand and Australia have been remarkable hosts, and we are in store for for two very exciting matches in the semifinal. Not to go full Aussie on you, but you know what it's like to win one on home soil. Yes. What do you make of this Australian team? Can can they go all the way? Can they have a 99ers moment? Well, we're, we're definitely, I'm feeling 99ish right now, <laughs> for sure. The, the PK, well, that was historical. Mm. Nobody's ever seen anything quite spectacular like that. So that was incredible. But I, what I love about the Australian team is that they have historically just progressively gotten better. And the players are playing around the world, and you know they are making great impact on big clubs, and they're doing it kind of in a sort of quiet way. Unfortunately for women's football, that's how it is mm -hmm. still. Mm -hmm. But it almost feels better to me, you know, like we've been telling you this for a long time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the secret is now out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so for me, I think that's really what's exciting is that all of a sudden this wave is coming and the crescendo is about to happen and honestly whether they win the whole thing or not I think they're capable <laughs> don't worry about it <laughs> don't worry about it just play on play on, play on. yeah um, I, I think w they've already changed people's perspectives and their minds and the future as I said to this group of um, high school students at Endeavor not too far from here you know, the future for you is whatever you want it to be. Mm. You know, you have an opportunity to be a professional, to, to make a national team and to play potentially in a World Cup. And that has, that has just been so exciting to be able to say those words and have them be true. In watching the way that crowds have been generated around the Matildas as they've gone deeper into the tournament, have you been getting flashbacks to oh. 99? <laughs> I would love to be able to speak with Sam and the crew and just ask them what the bus rides have been into the stadiums because I will give you the scenario in the first game. We're, we're playing in New York Giants Stadium, which is where the, the Giants and the Jets of the, the American NFL play men's American football. And honestly, I think we were just oblivious to what was really happening on the outside because we were so insulated to a narrow focus right on the things we needed to do and the things we needed to have to be successful and so we got on the bus that morning and we knew we would have an escort so the police come and they're in front and they're like moving traffic only there was a lot of traffic and there was no place to move it 
And so now we're stuck on the highway <laughs> coming to the stadium. And we're like, what the hell is going on? Like, why is there so much traffic? Mm -hmm. And we get to the stadium, we're like, oh my God, they're here to watch <laughs> us play. Like, honestly, we had, we didn't have, we didn't have the foresight to think about, like, we would sell a mil million mm. plus tickets. Mm. We would say it out loud, like, yes, people are going to come and they're going to love it. But then the other side of us would be like, are they really going to do that? Mm -hmm. is, that <laughs> is that really going to mm -hmm. happen? Mm -hmm. And it just, so every game from that moment just perpetuated the excitement and the understanding of the enormity of the event. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm interested, you mentioned waves, and I feel like in women's sport, because we're constantly growing, yeah. there's always that feeling that you might be on the edge of something, something might be about to happen, but this World Cup really does feel different. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. And also in terms of 99 as well, you mentioned there, mm -hmm. it was kind of unexpected. Did it, how did it compare to the World Cups you've been to prior to that, like in terms of seeing that tangible shift? Mm -hmm. Was it very different? Well, so I played in 91 and then I wasn't on the team for 95. So I had a bit of a gap. Um, but 91 was very unique because FIFA really didn't want to host it and they got forced into doing it. <laughs> and so, you know, I think it was mostly because we wanted to have the Olympics begin in 96 and we were hosting the Olympics in Atlanta. And so it kind of got pressed upon them and they weren't even convinced that they should put World Cup on the trophy. So they didn't, you know. And so <laughs> that was a kind of an unusual start to this whole mm. historical context of the Women's World Cup. Um, so, but it was big stadiums and, you know, there was nice crowds and, you know, we had the 40 plus people that came from our families to cheer us on <laughs> and, uh, and then we get to 99 and obviously just like what's happening now in 2023, this groundswell of, this is our team, like the out, you know, the non families and the players saying this is our team mm. like maybe for the first time in a real authentic way that they they meant it and they believed what was happening and so to me that's a very big similarity in what's mm. happening and uh, I loved coming into the airport and seeing the you know the sign and people know what's happening like they really know and I, I honestly believe that this is going this is already it's already changed what's going to happen mm -hmm. for women in sports. Um, but, you know, specifically the fact that a lot of your players already play outside mm -hmm. of the country. And we have to think about what does that mean for them to come back mm -hmm. and to be here? And then how will that change things on the ground here for the professional league? Mm -hmm. and that's a t hot topic. Mm, very yeah, hot that's topic. a hard, the hard one because you want your players to be home mm -hmm. and you want them to be playing here, but you also don't want to take away the opportunity to play in the big leagues and, you know, or the established leagues, I guess I should say. Um, and I want your players to come to my team too. So <laughs> 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 just saying. Just saying. <laughs> Recruitment drives. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, you know, you, I'm from the Silicon Valley, so I'm like, you know. Entrepreneur. We love a girl boss. I was going to ask just with 99, because we know that that was such a moment like and mm. you are so like the literal face of that moment in a lot of ways um not the face it's the same i'm just telling you right now it ain't happening this morning <laughs> um, but you know what i mean like yeah. you're the literal face of that moment but it still feels like it took a while for mm -hmm. the rest of the game to catch up in the US to get to the point where it is now, where it seems like things are in a really good space, yeah. domestically, mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. So I suppose my question is just about why it took so long from that moment in 99 mm -hmm. to get to a point where we are now. And if you have your crystal ball, can you maybe see Australia like yeah. speeding that process up so we don't have to wait from 99 to like 2023 yeah. to enjoy that moment? Yeah, to get to the second part first, I think that's what we all hope for, right? That we don't have this lag in time and that mm -hmm. we, you know, we don't, we, don't, we don't have to wait for that. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I could say that that will be short, but mm. uh, I'm gonna answer it now. I'm gonna tag onto that with the first answer, which is change is hard. And I think that is significant to the answer, which is to for us and like you all, you have these historical and traditional sports that you play 
and that's what people have grown up with. And so it's difficult to pull them away from those things and say, hey, try this, mm -hmm. you know, try this. And there's a lot of people in your, in your country who have already bought in. They're like, I, I see it. Yeah. I get it. I, I, am, I feel the emotion. I, I, I'm being pulled towards it. Like, I can't help myself. I'm going to go because um, I've been impressed and I, and I, and I love it. Um, but now you've got to get to that next level. It's like, you know, you have your core group and now it's like building out like this. And so I think w when we started that first league in 2001, we believed that we had the best product possible. We had the players domestically and internationally. We had the best players in the world playing in this league. And it wasn't because we lacked the product. We lacked the infrastructure on how to mm. sell and promote and showcase women's sports mm -hmm. because it hadn't really been done mm -hmm. and it wasn't being done in the way that men's sports was being done and so that that's how we and and that's why we had to shutter the doors you know and the windows in 2003 and that was a very disappointing day but honestly i think it, it gave us a as the national team always has been known for is kind of this internal like grit that you have to have you know, if you are an entrepreneur, and mm. you all know you have this podcast, you, you know, you've grown this from nothing, mm. from a conversation, mm. right? And, and so we, we have this entrepreneurial spirit and this desire to prove people wrong. That's probably not the great place where you want to start, but that's the reality. It's motivating. Yeah, mm. that's, that's where we are. And so, you know, we had another iteration which was very short-lived and not well-managed. But again, lessons learned. Just like I told the high school students, like you must fall down. Mm. If you're not doing that, then and you're trying to stay safe, you're not going anywhere. And so I think this World Cup has not been safe. I think it has been totally outside of the comfort zone of you know the the amount of teams or two countries, you know, like three African n nations making it to the knockout. I mean, just it goes on and on. So I feel that women's soccer has finally now, the roots have gone down, mm. right? They've gone down. For us in our league, it's now 11 seasons. And I think that the roots are going down right now for, for f soccer here in this country. And young girls will dream about playing in the professional league here because this is where they saw women's soccer for the first time. Who doesn't want to come to Australia? I mean, it's lovely. We yeah. treat people very well. You, and think, you're yeah. a great people, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. I'd love to know your thoughts on how far the game's come and where it's going, mm -hmm. Brownie, because I think there's something, it's usually in the, it gets talked about in the context of, will the US's dominance get ended because Europe's springing up. You just referenced Africa. Different playing styles. I think mm -hmm. in this Final Four, there's clear different playing styles as well. How do you see the game in terms of how far it's come and also where it can get to? Right. Well, I, I think what I love people, I love listening to people talk about soccer. So go talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> because, you know, we talk about styles and we talk about moments in the game and players. And so we have all these components and these variables that, you know, once the ball kicks off, it's like people say, what's the formation? Mm. I'm like, uh, it's, it's soccer. Right, the principles will, will stay the same. Um, you know, does that mean that we'll have three backs or we'll have five backs or we'll have four backs, three midfielders versus four midfielders, a diamond shape, a flat back four? I don't, you know, yes, we're gonna have all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> the because, yes. the game, because the game is ever changing, mm. right? I think the teams that are the most successful have the ability to adapt to that. So like, okay, we're gonna look at Spain and Sweden. Like, it's a technical team versus, like, uh, let's say a physical, straightforward team. Mm. They're in your face. They are very confident. They're very, like, this is how we, this is us, which I love about them. Mm. They're, like, mm. so overconfident all the time. <laughs> yes, like, I love that. And then you have Spain. It's like, eh, we're going to dance around you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's how they are. Mm -hmm. And they're so, like, you're like, how can you just, like, I love it because as a, former forward playing in the back, I, 
I had to be told many times, like, stop doing the step over, stop doing <laughs> the back <laughs> pass, stop doing, you know, don't do those things mm. in the defensive no third. No fun. Only business. Well, <laughs> not just fun, but just like security, like conservatism, yeah. like mm. that's, you know, and you need that. But you have to have the confidence to do those other things in the moment when it's needed. Mm -hmm. But you can't calculate that in, in soccer. Mm. It's like, it, it, it's just too fluid. And so I, I think the game has evolved in that the players are becoming more fluid. They're becoming more understanding of the moments. I feel our team wasn't that understanding. Mm. And that's really what their demise was. Mm. It was, we do it this way. We have these forwards who can run fast and to be you know, aggressive and assertive. And we lost the midfield in every game. Yeah. Um, minus the last match against Sweden, I thought, you know, we did have the game, but then you have to win matches. You have to have technical expertise in the m in the moment, mm. in the moment. Mm. Like I was watching, you know, Messi now is playing in Major League Soccer, and I mean, he's just like he's a, he's like doing the marionette. He's like oh, all the Crazy. puppets are doing. He can do whatever he yeah. wants, right? But just to watch him and uh, Erling Holland, for example. Mm. The way they set themselves up to score is like they see it ahead of time. Mm. They've just seen it so many times and they've practiced it so many times that they know how to organize their feet. So I would just implore all of your fans and your audience to watch the feet of the players and how do they uh, organize themselves in tight spaces and are they ready for the ball to come to them? Because the majority of the time the players are not ready. And then all of a sudden, the chance is lost and it's gone and you'll mm. never get it back. Mm. But the best players are ready in those moments. And so that's where the game is going to be. That's where the stories are happening. Mm. In this conservative part and in this aggressive, assertive, ready space. So bouncing off that, Brandy, who are the players that have impressed you over the course of the tournament? So many. As well mm -hmm. as the teams as well. There, have there been yeah. any teams that have kind of surprised you? I mean, I think there's some names that have been going floating out there like the Linda Casados, mm -hmm. you know, like that's a that's a kid who just, I'm calling her a kid, she's a professional. Be, I should be really, I should give her <laughs> her props, right? She's a professional player. But her sense of space and timing, mm -hmm. like even though in the last game I didn't think she was, didn't have the type of leadership I think she could have had mm. to take a little bit more on, mm. to get behind the opponent a little bit more. But she's just quality. Like, she understands momentum. She understands just leaning her body one way mm. and how do you touch the ball against the opponent's flow. And so that that's a fun player to watch. Um, I mean, yeah, it would be a disservice to try and name all the players because, honestly, I think the list would be very long. But I, I would say Sweden's goalkeeper. Yeah. She's fantastic. What Mishavich. the hell? <laughs> yeah. like, that's this is a tournament to, like, for the ages. She mm. is made some phenomenal saves, but I think the goalkeeping has been better. Mm. And I, so I think I have to give props to the goalkeepers, which they rarely get props when it's, you know, big tournaments because we're so about scoring goals. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought they, I, I really think that they have done a tremendous job. Really, so many good goalkeepers in this tournament, and uh, it's easy to be the, the, you know, the reason why games are lost. And I mm -hmm. think they've been why games have been won in, in this tournament. Mm -hmm. You don't need to tell us that Mackenzie Arnold's a national hero at the moment. <laughs> 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 Man, wait a minute. I was watching the game, and then this morning, because I just got in from California yesterday, yeah. I was up at like 1.30, 3.30, and 5.30, and, I wa and the game was like looping on, mm. uh, on the, the TV. Mm -hmm. So I watched the, the, the shootout over and over. <laughs> and when she sa saved, it, she made a save, and then she went up to take it, and she missed. No, yeah. no, she missed, and then she made a save. I was like, ooh, that is gutsy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. she is, like, that was, I don't know, that was moxie, for sure. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Pretty impressive. That's our Maka. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, uh, there's the obvious big talking point about the U.S.'s early exit. Um, mm from this World Cup. You mentioned there, so the NWSL 11 seasons, things are looking pretty good in terms of structure, but what what are the things to go back to the drawing board on now for the US to be able to come back from this? Like, it I, seems like it's sent a lot of people into a sort of existential crisis, which we are very familiar, very familiar with in Australian yeah, football. Yes. We've had our fair share, but yeah, what, what are the kind of big questions or areas to improve on off the field to 
see the US yeah. kind of come back to their dominant selves? Well, I'm, I'm going to put take two. There's two buckets mm -hmm. I see. I see NWSL and I see US soccer. I'll, I'll let me, uh, let's go to the NWSL point. We, we as a league have to figure out how we can have better pay, it's not pay equity, it's a payment structure that can compete against Europe. Mm -hmm. Because with a salary cap, it will be impossible. We can't get a Sam Kerr. Even though Major League Soccer somehow figures it out, like yeah, you know, funny that if, yeah. if they yeah. want yeah. to, yeah. they will. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I think you know we need to do that because what what is happening over in Europe is now they have all these players playing, and they're getting this experience against the international players that is changing them when they come to their domestic team, um, you know, to their international team. So we got to figure that out there. U.S. Soccer, like your country, which uh, I think is fabulous is this diversity right you have all of these people that come to your country that now are Australian but they they historically come from somewhere else and they love soccer mm. the way they love soccer mm. and so they they bring these different ideologies of the game mm. and and yet there's a for us there's a massive chasm between those who can afford to play yeah, and those who cannot yeah. And there's a lot of players over here who are choosing other countries to participate with because they can't get in over here. Mm. So we have to look at ourselves and say, mm, we probably don't have it quite right, and we gotta figure out how to open this up so that we can invite these players to participate who, like I had a player that played for me in youth soccer that just so happened, so this is a perfect question, she played youth soccer with me, and I would say to the U.S. soccer representatives who were the scouts, you need to look at this kid. She has to come into your pool for, like, U-17. No, 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 no. She's now playing for Mexico that beat USA in the CONCACAF mm. tournament. And I'm like, told you so. Yeah, wow. Like, I mean, th that was very fortunate for me. But, like, <laughs> but, you know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, we have to turn every stone. We have to not suppose that if you don't fit into this group you don't belong in the national team or in the programming and we have to make it accessible i think that's probably the m the most important thing we mm. can do mm. yeah just saying you were saying i told you so Hara is a big fan of yeah. i was right <laughs> i was right yeah. vindication is nice <laughs> <laughs> she, um, she was right about a selection call for the olympic squad and literally cut out the letters i was right put them on the back of her jersey and turned to the sound. camera <laughs> <laughs> i mean i, I can't right. deny it, it happened. <laughs> we've, we've got hey, vision on they it. call that facts you've got to embrace it when you're right yeah. you're hey just like i was telling the girls yesterday when you do something good you got to celebrate it otherwise you can't inspire anybody so totally. i at least inspired myself yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i was gonna say just quickly while we're still on the nwsl we'll probably get back to more world cup questions but while we are talking about the nwsl it would be remiss of us not to talk about bay fc because we've literally got hoodie scrunchy yeah. hat, oh i didn't even realize yeah. i, I yeah, was looking at it all. i'm like that is a bay fc right. scrunchy so right. please tell us about bay fc why you felt like you needed to invest and found a team what you're hoping to achieve and i know you've been hinting at it which australians would you like to mm. get on the mm. team most of them, most of them. <laughs> um but yeah basically tell yeah, us about yeah so let me just tell you so i'm born and raised in san jose uh, i have had the fortune of growing up in a community where i was encouraged to participate my parents didn't know anything about soccer yet they said yes and they presented me an opportunity to sign up and I fell in love with it and they were full on. It was like this, my dad became the coach and my mom became the soccer mom and, you know, and off we went. Um, they, they actually came here to Sydney in 2000 mm. and they, you know, that was, that was the last tournament that I actually had them in my life. So that, this is a very significant place in that way. Um, so my roots are, are in the Bay Area. And it just so happened that three other players that I played with, um, who are much younger than me, that also played at Santa Clara University where I went and my husband coaches women's soccer, they played and were national champions and then they came to the national team. And so we have this great, the Northern California has, has usually, if not always, had about 40%, 35 to 40% of the national team. Mm. So okay. we have we have a significant yeah. um, 
I'd say holding uh, uh, on women's soccer, but soccer in general. You know, I I was a season ticket holder in the early '70s for men's soccer, watching George Best, Pelé, Beckenbauer, mm. like Canalia, Amazing. like all these great players, and I just fell in love. And then when it went away, it was like when we had the first league. When it went away, it it born something really great. Again, like I said, you learn something when you make mistakes. We, we founded a nonprofit for girls called the Bay Area Women's Sports Initiative, which has been now 17 years. Oh, and amazing. we are called, the acronym is pronounced BOSSY, so we're BOSSY Girls. Oh yeah. <laughs> See, like that, that, right? That's awesome. And so we've been impacting these young girls in under-resourced communities for 17 years and bringing collegiate and former professional uh, female athletes to their playgrounds to show them that they look like us and mm -hmm. they move like us and that they don't have to be in this four block radius, right? They can do things outside. So we would take them to universities and we, and now they're having this experience. And when the two leagues went away and the NWSL was, you know, starting to blossom and listen, NWSL has gone through some hardship. Mm -hmm. And again, we're learning and we, we will be our better selves and our better mm -hmm. version of ourselves going forward because we've, we've had some grave errors, but we've learned a lot. And now what we see is this influx of investment coming into, I'll take Kansas City, for example. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. You know, they've got the, the Longs who are in on women's soccer. They're building new facilities and a stadium. And it's phenomenal. And we realize, like, God, we are one of the most progressive, innovative, ideative. Like, I mean, we've got all the big companies, the big mm -hmm. brands, the Apples, the Googles, the Facebooks, the, like, right here. Mm -hmm. And we have no bridge to San Diego and, L and Angel City and Portland and Seattle. Like, there's nothing. Mm. What, what are we doing? And we said, we got to do something. And so we, we said, let's, let's, get, let's see if we can um, dig up some interest. And as it turned out, we, we did. And we have now have an ownership group that is the biggest investment group. It's a private equity firm. They've never done... Um, the league has never done women's soccer with that type of investment, so this is a new um, frontier for, for women's sports. And I think it speaks volumes to what they believe the business of women's sports will be. Mm. Mm. That's the differentiator. Like, it's, uh, the game is good. They know that. We're going to take care of the game. But the way the business part will be done will be different than ever before, and that is the exciting part. Yeah, it's coming off the back of Angel City, of course, which is right. one of the biggest stories, I suppose, in women's club football and real proof of concept that it is a, and not just a good moral decision to support women's yeah. football, it's a good business decision. Yeah, we're not charity. Yeah. I think that's kind of what women's sports in general have felt that they were. It's the feel-good stories, it's mm. the good for the community, it's, you know, we support young people and their dreams, and, and those are all great, and we want to make sure we do that. We're nine counties and nine bridges. So imagine the 150 languages and people from all over the world that live in our population. And we want them all to believe that this belongs to them. Mm -hmm. And how are we going to reach them where they are? And how are we going to bring that, authentic, that authenticity to our stadium? But then how is it going to permeate to the rest of the world? So when you see that hat walking down at the rocks or you're in wherever it is you're going to be, people are going to see that and be like, yep. I know, <laughs> I know who you are, I know what you stand for, mm. and I know um, how great of a team that is. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go back to the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like you've got probably more expertise than anyone. This Matilda's team, they, you've, you've touched on it, they're going to go in, they've got, there's other teams I think have tried to pile on the pressure and said, oh, the home team's got this pressure behind mm -hmm. them. They've always said they're embracing it. As someone that's sort of been there, done that, how should they handle it? Should they take that approach of, we just absorb it, we block it out at the right times, and do you feel like they can go all the way, I suppose? Yeah, I, I, I do believe they can go all the way. I, I think they have a very complimentary starting 11, maybe first 15 players, but they have, they have a full roster that is uh, experienced. You know, you, you come through these games and you, you, either you're on the bench and you're watching, uh, you get a few minutes in the match, you start a game, you play a half, you know, whatever it is, that experience is so valuable, it's, it's gold. Um, but in terms of the external things, there is not one person or one media outlet out there in the webosphere that 
is probably putting more pressure than they probably are putting on themselves mm. already. So that is like, it's just white noise. It's really white noise. And I am sure in this day and age, everybody is working with sports psychologists and, mm. you know, talking about, you know, where, how do we get to that optimal arousal level so we're ready to go, but we're not over the top, so we're not, and we're not having anxiety about it. Mm. We're floating right in here. We're right in here. It's the sweet spot. And so I'm sure they're working on how do we open and close the aperture on what we need in and what we don't. And so they deflect the things they don't need and they say, not my problem. That was really, I think, what was the difference between the U.S. teams and the other teams mm. in the beginning. You know, we always felt like we came to the match and we had already won the match. We felt that confident. Mm. And, and a dear friend of mine who I played with in the first league um, in the WSA, along with Julie Murray, who mm. sadly I was supposed to be meeting today, but her son is sick. You know, we talked about like, every time we came to play you, we always felt like we had lost the game already. Mm. And I believe right now, Australia actually kind of has the, the, the advantage over England. Even though they're European champions, I feel like what has been happening during this World Cup has given Australia the edge, and not the scary way, but in the like comforting way. Mm. The psychological way. Yeah. Psyching them out before yeah. we even step on yeah. the field. Sign of a, a, a dominant or an intimidating team, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now they just got Sam Kerr back as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is she 100%? I mean, we don't know yet, right? We don't know, really. Tony Does doesn't it? tell us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> She's moving pretty well. This is interesting. This is interesting. Coaches, like, why, why are you hiding anything? Soccer is like, there's no secrets. Like, <laughs> just, it's going to happen <laughs> anyway. But it's going to happen anyway. Mm. You know, what happens is going to happen, and you can't, like, hide things out there. So, you know, we know Sam Kerr. We know what she's capable of. An 80% Sam Kerr is better than most people's 100. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think if she's anywhere from that 80 to 100 range, you're going to, they will have to obviously be very aware of her. And since they play amongst each other, mm. they already know that. So it's, it's, there's no surprise going on. In making the semi-final, the Matildas have done something that only the USA had done in 2003. You know, and, and becoming sort of the, the, the first host nation since 99 to make it all the way to this point. Mm -hmm. in, in that kind of way, it's, I don't know, it, it feels very, um, it's almost like they've already kind of won. Yes. And I'm, I'm thinking as well of the parallels back to 99 where, you know, the thing that seems to really be driving the Matildas internally is it's, it's almost not about the results that they have on the field. It's about how they sort of inspire and, mm -hmm. and, and bring people together off the field, they're driven by something else. Is that how you felt in 99 as well? Was the team driven by something off the field that kind of motivated you to get all the way to the end? Well, they've done the hard part already. The quarterfinal is the hardest part mm -hmm. because if you don't win the quarterfinal, nobody will remember. That because you don't play for a first, second, or third, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's a really, that to me is the toughest match. They won the toughest match. So I think they've overcome an obstacle that most teams r get stuck. They get stuck there. Um, I think if we think about back to 99, I mean, we wanted to win. I mean, let's be honest. Like, we, we were a competitive group. You know, whether it was in training every day, you know, trying to make that starting 11, trying to get in the roster, trying to be on the travel group. I mean, like, literally every day was, like, this showcase of can you can you make an imprint on either a teammate, the coaching staff, for you to be in that next lineup? And so we kind of, we played in that, we lived in that environment all the time. And so yes, we wanted to bring people in. And I think after the World Cup, we, we, we had to kiss a lot of babies and we had to <laughs> shake our hands. And, because, and, and, uh, and that's not, that is funny, but it's n the truth yeah. because Literally, U.S. soccer was leveraging us for, like, free space. Mm. Like, come and do a clinic. Uh, the U.S. Mm. soccer will do a clinic, and then we'll use your field. Mm. Like, that was the mm. world of women's yeah. football. Yeah. Like, mm. that's how, we, how it was. So, you know, we did a lot of that. And we did a lot of, like, it's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. We're bringing all these people. We, again, are we really, can we really do it? Like, we didn't know. It had never been done. There was no case study that it, it could actually work in this giant of a way. Like if this is the country, we got New York way over there, we got California way over here, and we're gonna play in all the stadiums in between, mm. that, I mean, we didn't know, but 
we wanted to win. I mean, let's be completely uh, transparent on that. Mm. We wanted to win. And all the other ancillary benefits that were coming along with it were secondary to that, that mindset. And so I feel like I, what I see in the players for Australia is I see that like I'm willing to give everything. Mm. I'm just willing to give everything. And if, if I've given everything, there's going to be someone who's going to come and be able to, I, I'm going to, you know, we're going to have a little high five at the mm -hmm. sideline and she's going to come in and she's going to finish the job. So I think that it's a, it seems like a very healthy environment, uh, mm -hmm. that team right now. Uh, I'm interested, so there's the obvious iconic celebration from 99, but you became very much, a, I guess, the face and a, a symbol um, after that. But do, you can't predict being that person, I no. presume. But no. do you have any tips or advice for anyone who potentially might become that person? I think we think it might be Sam Kerr, but as we've seen this tournament, like Courtney Vine so didn't know yeah. that right now it was it's like a Mackenzie Arnold or a Courtney Vine. Yeah, like Bailey Rasso celebrating against Canada. Like there's been a couple of really mm, iconic yeah. moments from players who may not realise that they're becoming icons. Yeah, like is the are there any I guess unexpected effects of that? Mm. Um, I suppose as well there was the debate about the shirt as well after the yes. the final, and we've had our own brushes with that with Sam Kerr and suck on that one, which is yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. great. But it's a very different context now as well. I suppose there's a lot more um, support and yeah, right. around players. But yeah, I, I, l listen, 99 was, uh, was a freak accident. You know, it was a, an organic moment to an unexpected uh, situation. You know, I, I didn't wake up that day thinking, I can hardly wait to celebrate the goal that I'm going to score. <laughs> it's going to win the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, but as a former forward, like, you know, scoring goals was, you know, um, very important to me. But I did not, that was not my priority on that day. And earlier in the tournament, I had scored an own goal in the quarterfinal, uh, and we were down 1-0 to Germany. So now you're thinking, like, the future of women's soccer. You know, I'm, what I hope for this team is that they're not carrying the burden of the future of, mm. of football. I don't believe they are because it's been growing and because of the 32 teams, it feels like it's equally now mm. been dispersed among the world mm. to carry the load. And so I, fe I feel like they have that kind of lifted from them. But I think what they will have to carry is how they, how they present themselves going forward. And you know, you, you want to again. I think just as a parent, I would say to my child, um, be your true, authentic self. You know, don't let this moment change who you think you are. And you know, to either take it and make it about you, um, or something that is not. Mm -hmm. and, and so I would just say to those those players, like, celebrate w how it makes you however it makes you feel in the moment because you just don't know and you'll I didn't plan that and I, n I didn't foresee myself ever doing that um, but to be yourself be grounded um, to remember why you came to the game in the first place you know I, I told the girls the story yesterday about how we won the first ever World Cup and we got 500 bucks and I thought oh my god I just hit the lottery <laughs> like you know like this is amazing they're paying me money to play the game that I love and um, and, you know, but not to be satisfied mm. also at the same time. That, that there's a wholesomeness to not being satisfied that is really crucial, I think, to two and four women because you're just not given the benefit of the doubt. And you're, you're constantly being asked to um, be impressive all the time. And, and that is, can be hard. That can be hard, but you can handle it. And, and when, if you go through a tournament like this, you, you know you can. And so those are, you know, the cautionary tales are just be yourself and, you know, be humble and remember it's a team sport and that mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that will be looking to you. And if you don't know the answer, say, I don't know the answer. I'll get back to you if I, you know, if I find it out. <laughs> yeah. We've got about 10 minutes left, so I feel like we unfortunately need to wrap this up. <laughs> I, I know, like, I don't want to. So sad. I don't want to go on places, <laughs> but, but final question. Yeah. I guess another element um, in terms of, I guess, the, the vocabulary, the language, the energy that the Matildas have been putting out 
in terms of bringing people along for the ride, uh, especially new fans who've yeah. come to women's football for the first time, is acknowledging history. There's a lot of discussion about the Matildas alumni and about mm. the fact that this Great. team is the, the sort of the tip of the iceberg of a much longer history yeah. of players. How important do you think it is for a team in the spotlight like this to be throwing back and acknowledging where they've come from? Yeah, I think it just goes to the question you asked. Like it's a part of, you know, going forward is a part of understanding where you came from. And I think historically speaking, it, it is crucial. Like I've even seen, I've been in my hotel room now for, you know, one day's time. And I've seen, uh, I wish I could remember her name. I can see her face. Um, dark curly hair she formerly played on on the national team and she held up her jerseys and they were obviously like four sizes too big mm. they're you know men's extra large and just thinking back like nobody thought of you as as important or like even necessary mm. and you know you have to you, you just have to remember that it's humble, you know, this is a humble beginning mm -hmm. and we can take humility forward throughout what we do. You know, your integrity counts, um, the way you show up, your attitude and your energy every day and your effort. And it, those things make a difference and they really make an impression on people in a way that will endear them to you forever. And so that doesn't mean that you won't disagree sometimes and, you know, like, People came to me and said, why did you do that? You've sexualized women's <laughs> sports. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure I did that, but okay, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like, let's not shy away from the hard topics too, but you know, I think you, know, you have to be open. And I love that you're saying that you know, the way they're inviting people to feel a part of this is mm -hmm. really essential to growth and development. And it doesn't belong to any one of us. Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's what we have to remember too. It's like, it was a gift to me and my gift is to to pass it on and to watch somebody else do it and to then we share our stories and we get to laugh and we get to hug and we feel good and we know that we've been a part of something really special. Oh, I was just going to ask if you have um, any tips for hitting a penalty well. Are you going out to do a couple later? Uh, I've been, we've been practicing at training, but um, I'm not very good. And I was one of the people who was like, yeah, I, I would step up in a shootout. <laughs> Sure. Okay. And then it goes straight to the keyboard. No, you, like got, you, got, you, got, you got the first part right, which is you have to have the confidence mm -hmm. that you can do it, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's part of success no matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're on the pitch or if you're somewhere else, you're in the boardroom, you're, giving, you're doing a podcast. Like, you have to come with confidence. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing is you can't be afraid to uh, hit the ball hard. Like, I think, you know, and, there, and some people say, like, if you look at some of them, like Megan Rapino put hers like mm. 20 rows up. Like Into the galaxy. She, yeah. she <laughs> hit it hard. She hit it hard. So like when I say that, I, I, I caution, air, caution mm. it's, not, it's not hit it hard anywhere. It's just like with good technique. You mm -hmm. hit it hard with good technique and, you know, the goalkeeper, to make a save would have to just be a miracle, mm. you know, because their position is very, very difficult. Um, and then I would say if you, if, if you've, if you practice enough, you'll be confident in that if the goalkeeper seems to be leaning one way or the other way, that you can just put it in the other direction. Like right before going out to the middle of the field to take our penalties in 99, the coach came over and he said, you're going to take a penalty. And I said, yeah, I talked to the assistant coach. We talked about it. No problem. He goes, okay, you're going to take it with your left foot. And then he like ran away. <laughs> <laughs> And luckily, I was so exhausted because after that 120 minutes, yeah. it was like 115 degrees outside. It was just like there was just no space yeah. to overanalyze anything. But post that, you know, having, you know, talking to Julie Foudy and, you know, having all these conversations, I think, my God, like, why didn't I, why did I say yes to that? Because I'd never <laughs> done it before in a game. Ooh. Like in practice, I had. Yeah. But I think when somebody shows confidence in you to select you, you have to feel like, okay, that, like, that feels pretty good. Like, I can do it. Um, and so, yeah, you just, you have to, you have to trust yourself. You have tools in your toolbox that, you know, you have to bring out every now and again, and they're going to work. Speaking of that penalty, mm. you were there in the Rose Bowl, a record crowd, mm -hmm. which I think still stands yeah. for a women's football game, 90,000 plus people. 
it was the the goal that was going to win the World Cup. It was the easiest. How how did you <laughs> like like mentally say like how did you what did you tell yourself in that moment in the the seconds before you took those strides mm. to the ball? Did you block everything out? Did you take some deep breaths? Did you like how did can you take us through what you went through? Don't look at the goalkeeper. Mm. That was it. Mm. Um, because earlier in the year we had played China in the Algarve Cup. Mm. In the run of play we got a penalty. That my job was to take the penalty. And when I took the ball off the referee and I put it down and I looked up and Gao Hong was standing right in front of me. And goalkeepers, I'd never seen that before. Mm. And she is a funny, funny character. And you know she played in the WUSA. And so she was very good goalkeeper, just a, a just had this personality about her. And she was stand. And when I looked at she. And smiled, <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is going on here? So um, she, she really did a number on me. Yeah. And so when I backed up, it was like I was kind of out of sync. And I hit the ball, and I hit the crossbar, went out. We ended up losing the game. And so the only thing as I'm walking up is don't look at a goalkeeper. I didn't want to give her that opportunity. So I really thanked her after for doing that before because <laughs> who knows? practice run. Yeah, yeah. who knows? Um, but other than that, I mean, you know what you learn when you play in the, sta the stadiums long enough is that, you know, that becomes just white noise. It's kind of comforting, actually. Like, I love golf, and every time I put the ball down to tee off or I, to hit the ball, it's so quiet. I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, it's, the quiet is deafening, and it's yeah. very mm -hmm. scary. Um, so I'm always like, anybody want to make noise? Please make noise. <laughs> <laughs> make noise now. Um, so I, I think just being able to block it out, be in that moment, don't look at the goalkeeper and just do what you do and good things will happen. When you, when you watch football <coughs> or soccer, are you a commentator? Like are you, you know, let's say, let's say that, that Australia penalty shootout, you're going, no, no, put it bottom corner, put it top <laughs> yeah, knees. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's such a shame that Mackenzie Arnold can't move off a line because of these new rules. Oh, <laughs> you know, do this, do that. Or, or can you just take it in and I guess appreciate it for what's happening right in front of you? I know it can be difficult for, for former players in particular. Well, having a little bit of a commentary background, um, yeah. I, I feel like I have a little bit of, it's, I'm more the coach. Mm. I'm more watching it like from the coaching angle, like mm. what's the strategy, what has the goalkeeper done, you know, does, does the player, did the player jog up, did they walk up, what is their presentation, mm. uh, you know, how are they holding themselves and, you know, what number in line is it and what happened just before and so I'm thinking about those kind of things then than than anything um, yeah I don't know uh, I'm hopeful that they all make it to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because you know you don't you just know the feeling like you know you just you don't want anybody someone's mm. going to suffer something mm. yeah. in a penalty shootout there will be a loser and there will be a winner just like in every game um, and it's got to end somehow um, but you don't you just feel for that player, you know. We've all been there. Nobody's had a perfect career, so mm. just want it to be good for everybody. <laughs> I think I'm good. No? You can ask the big question that you ask every guest, Marissa. I, w I was going to ask one more before well, the big perfect. one because okay. I feel like yep. it w we haven't actually asked about Vlatko. Is he the man to actually take the U.S. into the next phase of the national I don't team? Think so. No, I don't think he'll last. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't know if he he could do that. Mm. Um, unfortunately, his record doesn't speak to mm. that. You know, mm. four of ten games in big tournaments, you know, four wins, is that's very much under the standard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say nine out of ten would have been like, I mean, you know, like we want you to win nine out of ten and that you've only won four. You know, that's hard. Like, I, I think coaches have a tough job, believe exactly. me. I yeah. live with a coach for 37 years coaching. And, you know, you, you live and die by your players. And you, you hope that what you've given them is enough to influence the way that they make decisions and, and how they see the game and the success that they can have. But they're humans, you know. We're all fallible and we make mistakes. And th sometimes the opponent presents something differently than maybe we didn't see coming. And we didn't plan for that. Mm. And did we do enough to help our players to be agile enough to make change? And I feel like we weren't that team. Mm. And I think we have to be that type of entity because we, we just have too much 
it's like we're the biggest shareholder of women's mm. soccer. And so we have to be better in those moments because the world is looking at you. You have the biggest target. And so I think for that reason, and that reason alone would be enough to say, like, we have to move forward. Um, they do it on the men's side all the time. We've, <laughs> we've changed yeah. coaches on the men's side, like, four times in the last two and a half. Like it's a ruthless two business. Or three. <laughs> yeah. It is. And, you know, I'm, my, my dream is to be a coach of a national team or, you know, maybe one day Bay FC. And, um, you know, having the conversations about how volatile that position is. Um, but you have to be—you have to be willing. You have to know that beforehand. Mm. Mm. So you can't—you don't go in being afraid of losing your job. Mm. You go in with the ideas that I'm going to make great change and I'm going to make a great impact. And here's what we're going to do and present something with, with this respectful approach to, you know, we work together. This is the plan. I'm giving it to you. I want you to execute it, and I'm going to help you to be ready to do that and if it doesn't work then here's plan B and C and you know blah, you know down the road and and I just feel like we've gotten a little stuck in that process and so and we started out this conversation talking about change and how hard mm -hmm. it is mm -hmm. and so I think it, it will be hard but I think it's probably necessary and finally Who's going to win the 2023 Women's World Cup? <laughs> uh, I feel like now Australia has a game against Spain about to happen in the final. Mm. Mm. Spicy. That's a yeah. spicy take. I know. I like it. I think, I think that would be really fun. Yeah. It would, we'd enjoy, we would love Especially to be in the final. Especially because we beat Spain recently. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So now you have, you have a storyline that is you've beaten that team. They know it. Mm. And now you're in the biggest game. Like that's, that's what a tournament hopes for. Let's go! Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're so excited. We can't thank you enough for yeah. joining us yeah, and talking today. We have had the absolute best time. If you're ever in Sydney again, please. Oh, yes, I will. Oh my God. Put on your glasses. Oh, here. I will. <laughs> <laughs> when you come to California, you'll need them to come and see one of our matches. Yes. We will. We will. Yeah, we yeah. cannot wait. So thank you so much <laughs> for joining <laughs> us. Thank you, and Lots thank you, as always, for tuning in. As always, we're over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN <laughs> app. You can follow us on Spotify, <laughs> Apple, Google, all of the usual pod spots. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, go Killies and see us.